Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I really have a soft spot for this movie and its original. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Invaders From Mars, which released in 1986. From writers Dan O'Bannon and Don Jacoby, and directed by Toby Hooper. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows a small boy called David Gardner. He has seen an alien spacecraft land behind his house one night during a storm and has started to notice some strange behaviour with his parents. As his investigation deepens, he realises that Martians are attempting to take over his town and the world and he may be the only one who can stop them. One, two, three, four, five. Thank you. So, Toby Hooper had had some success with uh, Life Force the mm. year before working yeah. with Canon Films. Uh, but this time around they offered him a little less money uh, than, than they did on Life Force, but they still offered him creative control over this remake of this 1953 classic yeah. Invaders from Mars movie. And uh, and I have to say, I think he did a wonderful job in remaking this. It's kind of one of those yeah. remakes that kind of gets forgotten that yeah. actually did an okay job. I, I've always had a real soft spot for this movie because, like, it's possibly one of the first movies I remember seeing as a kid. And then linking it back to Toby Hooper, Mr. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right. you know, linking it back to 1953 black and white sci-fi movies and then jumping from there to all these different movies. It was just this portal to this other world of cinema that I'd never known about. But at the same time, yeah, over the years, it's been forgotten. You know, well, people it, kind of look down on it of its special effects and maybe because of the budget it gets from the company, you know, Canon Films. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean, the film was a critical and commercial failure upon release. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, very so was people... the thing, you yeah, know? Exactly, but that's what happens with so many of these, like, 80s flops. Yeah, that yeah. they go on to become re fondly remembered. Yeah. And I think... That might just be the case with this one. And right from the get-go is we get the Superman-style credits, <laughs> yeah, the titles, like... <laughs> the flying at the screen, including the title. It goes on for a little while, but yeah. you'll definitely notice a couple of names flash by the screen, including John Dijkstra, Stan Winston, Christopher Young, Toby Hooper, and then, of course, the cast as well. You're like, oh, my God, this, uh, this should actually be pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, and then we start up really sweetly, you know, you got dad and son in the back garden looking up at the sky, you know, meteorites or, or comets or whatever you say, shooting stars going past. And it's, it, it kind of really lulls you in. I'd forgotten, like, how the family makes me feel. We've got Hunter Carson uh, playing young David Gardner, and I'd only found out this time that his mum is Karen Black. Who plays the nurse, the nurse in this film. In this film, and I'm yeah. like, oh my God, you know, Karen Black... Um, her major biggest role I remember is House of a Thousand Corpses. Right. Like, I kind of... It's wrong, but I kind of fell in love with her then. You know? <laughs> so I can see why. <laughs> you know, and kind of remembering her in this one this time around, I'm like, that's a scream she's kind of got on her there. Oh, hell yeah. yeah <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, mum and dad are, like, loving to, to David, and they want him to go to bed. And the storm kind of... You've heard it come in. Now... He he does go to bed and dad says goodnight to him and then he gets out of bed and he sees the light show coming down and you see the ship starting to come down. And I'm like, what is behind his house? Yeah, how far down does that go? Are yeah. they literally tunneling underground? Surely there'd be earthquakes of some kind. Well, I remember in the original as well, like in the original, it's like a giant sand pit quarry thing. Right. He's got that back there. So you just 
are supposed to know that off the bat. Well, because really. I mean, we, 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 we get this rickety old looking set, you know, <laughs> with the path going up and the yeah. and the uh, and the fence along the side. And, yeah. uh, and at nighttime, you can see the wall of stars and just like <laughs> these orange bulbs. Well, I was like, my God, that looks like such a, a studio set, you know. But then I'm like, but they've actually perfectly recreated. I think yes. they may have sw switched it, mirrored it. No, no, I think it's exactly the same, uh, you know, with the, the same style. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it's it's just the same style that they had in the 1953 original. Which is great. Which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so David wakes his parents up and he's just like, I've seen, seen this ship, you know, you need to go see it. And it cuts to the next morning and... Like, his dad must have gone in the middle of the night to see it. Yeah, he's missing his shoe. Yeah. And, and he's not behaving the same way he did the night before. The loving kind of embracing dad has been replaced by an alien. And, uh, I mean, one of the inspirations for this film is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, totally, yeah. And the f I will say that this opening sequence is a little bit long-winded. Like, it establishes it, but then it just keeps going, do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? Do you get it yet? You know, as he's comically putting in loads of sweetener into his coffee yeah, yeah. and then drinking it and then eating the sweeteners while looking at his son while dribbling coffee. That, that, it's that's like... it. I'm like, is is this new to the aliens? You know, like they are testing everything around uh, them. Probably, yeah. Like they're trying to blend in for now, at least <laughs> to do whatever it is they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but then like later on, he'll come home and he'll have a sequence with, with well, it's, I think it's the next morning where mum's making the breakfast for him. Yeah. And she's made this bowl of very crispy bacon. Oh, that's a horror show. <laughs> like, what have you done? But, now, apparently, some people really like that crispy burnt bacon. Yeah, yeah you fools. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm just like, okay, now it's another drawn out sequence where mum and dad are both aliens, and the kids like, there's something not right with my parents. But, but I mean, like I said, it's it's kind of a sweet build up, you know, with with watching mum being taken away because you have that little moment when David Garner comes home from school and he's watching Life Force, oh, right? And she that's walks in and sits with it. Like, wait a minute. Like, which TV channel shows Life Force at like four o'clock in the afternoon yeah. on a school night? David Gardner, feed me. Mom, God. Uh, when David goes to school, you know, and he has his, his kind of first running with his teacher, Miss McCletch, uh, Played by Louise Fletcher. McKelch. McKelch, sorry. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Oscar-winning Louise Fletcher. Yeah. One blow over the cuckoo's nest. Nurse Ratchet. She is excellent at playing that type of character. Yes. And she does it really well as a as a institute nurse or a school teacher. She dominates the presence. She controls the classroom. I mean, and I was like, no, wait a minute. Like, you can tell this is an 80s movie. <laughs> All those kids out there with scalpels. So <laughs> Jesus. Yes, no health and safety. It's all <laughs> gone out the window. But she was always the icon for this movie that I always remembered because right. just her presence, even before she, you know, spoilers, gets taken over, she's horrible. She's alien-like. She, she obviously is the absolute opposite to Karen Black's character, the nurse. So obviously David's in class. They're dissecting this frog. He, he throws one across the room and then he's cut himself with a scalpel. So then Miss McClatch has grabbed him and she's walked him down to the nurse. And I mean, it must have been nice. Like I said, that was the first time I'd realised this. So it must have been nice that mum and son were acting against each other. Because like he'd worked on Paris, Texas before. And I think he'd won an award for that. So he was doing really well as a young child actor. So him 
selling this idea that mum's an alien, dad's an alien, he thinks his teacher's an alien, there's a UFO behind his back garden. I'm glad that his recap is kind of just done in a, in a <laughs> yeah. crossfade. Yeah, Because, <laughs> honestly, I, I like, his acting in this film, like, in some instances, he, he sells it well enough. Yeah. But I think for the most part, his acting is what I would consider not non-acting. <laughs> it's it, it's he doesn't emote enough, or he doesn't sell it well enough, really? and it just comes across really bad, <laughs> like really bad. But the, but then I'm I'm like I'm just, I'm kicking myself. Cause I'm like it, it's it's a kids movie, and he's. I imagine if I was much younger, you know, I yeah. remember trying to watch this film, and like his delivery, I'm sure would be fine because he is the surrogate audience for the. Somebody of similar age watching it. Yeah. But yeah. watching his acting in these scenes, I'm just like, I, yeah. It's serviceable <laughs> to bad, I, I think. Between all the mystery going on, you know, Dad just keeps luring more and more people up to the sandpit. But, like, time-wise... How how long does it take these things to do whatever they're doing? Because it's like mum and son come home, they call the police and the police decide to go up to have a look. And then dad comes out of the bushes with his like work colleague or whatever. And you can tell he's been taken over. Yeah. And then like... Come well, that was only the next day. Well, yeah, yeah. But like two minutes after mum, son and father have kind of got back together, the two police officers come back down and you can tell that they've been taken over. Yeah. So I'm just like, well, how how quick was it that you can do whatever you need to do? You know? I guess it doesn't take very long at all. No, you could have just done it in like one night or whatever. <laughs> but then we find out, oh, sorry, just jump to the end of the movie. Or it takes like half the running time to just <laughs> infect one person. <laughs> I'm just like, wait a minute. There's got to be a quicker way to do this. Tension, man. You got to build up tension. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just saying it's kind of a kind of a plot hole, really, <laughs> considering how long they were gone. Yeah, true. But I do want to. Uh, it's a bit of an Easter egg here. If you don't recognise the casting, mm. the police chief was played by Jimmy Hunt, who played young David in the original movie. Yeah, gee whiz. So, so yeah, when he says that line, gee whiz, it's like been since I was a child that I've been up this way. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's because in the original movie, you've done. You it's a nice, <laughs> nice callback. Like, that's how you do a little bit of fan service in your remake. Yeah, yeah. Everything's fine now. Thanks. Our pleasure. So David is just, you know, trying to get more and more people to kind of understand him. But the only person he can get to back him up is the, the school nurse, which, you know, is kind of weird because it's his mum as well. But the fact that, like, everybody around the town, even the children have been taken over as well. And so the nurse is starting to notice it. You know, she even tries to question, um, you know, his teacher and, she, and the teacher's just like, oh, it's a boil, you know, on my neck. And she's like, well, let me have a look. No, no. But when they get taken, to, when David ends up going to the tunnel, you know, he's tried to escape because, you know, the parents want to take him over. He's the only one that can actually fall their whole plan. And so he escapes on the van. Well, he, he escapes into Nurse Ratchet's van. He didn't know at the time. Like, what are you Just, doing? Everybody's an alien, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I'm sure he's, how long has he been going to this school? I mean, I'm sure he'd know that teacher in particular, <laughs> like the bloody frog van that she's got out in the, the parking lot, van, yeah. you know? And yeah, and he ends up hiding in there, but she ends up pulling over and he escapes and then goes into the tunnels. Yeah. Oh, man. The thing you just said about the frogs, I totally forgot about her eating that frog. How did you forget? Oh, man. Just the, the legs sticking out, the look in her eye. Oscar winning <laughs> Louise Fletcher.
Like, is that is that like a complete model? You know, swallowing it no, down. No, that's her. She, that's her. But little... it was a fake, uh, like uh, like a gummy frog thing. Wow. And apparently, yeah. she, the actress said it tasted disgusting and vile, <laughs> and she couldn't believe that she was doing this. But then, when you see her acting <laughs> in a minute, <laughs> well, man, they get on board this ship, and the, the, you can tell that the budget wasn't there to give the ship. Well, and they were like... they were absolutely inspired by Geiger's work on Alien, oh, and they yeah, wanted to build a, a biomechanical kind of infrastructure of the ship. Yeah, but limitations on time and money, and they didn't quite have the know-how to to do it. But I think it does a good enough job. Well, also Stan Winston was you know he'd already left the project and gone back over to well, Aliens, not, not and so quite was designing yet. The... Not quite yet. But yeah, Stan Winston did leave production on this slightly earlier than intended to fly over and help James Cameron making Aliens. Yeah, but but Stan Winston had all of his team, including young Alec Gillis as well, who would go on to make more Alien stuff. Yeah. Uh, they stayed there and finished the project. And the designs of these things as well. <laughs> yeah, I want to credit John Dijkstra for the Alien design, yeah. Stan Winston for these creatures. And like going back to how do you remake yeah. this film? How do you reimagine these men in suits? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And apparently... Um, uh, Rob Bottin was involved in making this at one point, but he passed. Uh, and also Rick Baker was involved at one point in doing the effects, but they both passed and went on to other projects. Yeah. And so they knew they had a problem in the fact that the original was Men in Rubber Suits. And yeah, they want yeah. to do a movie with Men in Rubber Suits that doesn't look <laughs> like Men, like in, men in Rubber Suits. So what did they do? They designed a bigger rubber suit that could actually <laughs> yeah. house two people in it at oh, once. Wow! Now they got uh, like apparently they got some muscle-bound big guys mm, that would that would actually be walking backwards in those things. They would be hunched over with a harness on their backs, with a little person sat on there whose feet would control the mouths, and their arms would actually be the arms of the creature. Now it gives the alien the you know the 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 backwards knee joints yeah. so it looks like it's walking full well it looks like it's walking forwards but the person inside's walking backwards oh, they put whoa. cameras in the uh, in the nostrils of the of the monster design and a uh, video feed inside so the guy could actually see where he's going wow. walking backwards. They designed two of these suits. They'd never attempted anything like this yeah, because yeah. like the molds for the, the costumes would usually be done in ovens. And they didn't have one big enough to for these suits so uh, they only could afford to make two of them. They were very experimental. Apparently they got poisoning from some of the substances that no they, they used because they didn't know what they were doing. They were revolutionizing doing this sort of work and my god man, even though it's it's not it's lit like a children's horror movie yeah yeah you know and they're not super violent or ferocious or fast or menacing no, they're, they're just <laughs> meatballs with teeth and flaily t-rex hands but like the effort that went into making yeah. them and to bringing them to life on the screen the fact that they only could build two of these suits and then through editing you'd often just you find just, pairs of these things yeah, yeah. throughout the ship <laughs> but i uh, like i i love the the effects team the behind the scenes stories of how they Managed to get this together. And then, yeah, Stan Winston was like, right, I'm going to go make an alien queen <laughs> no, now. No. <laughs> which, unfortunately, probably for overshadows a lot yeah, of the work yeah. that went into this one. Well, I mean, as a kid, I remember seeing these giant creatures. And they, they scared the crap out of me as a kid. And I was just like, I was kind of also in awe about how silly they are as yeah. well. You know, how they can just be laughing and just moving their little arms. So it kind of looked disjointed. But the idea, I always just thought it was just one person in there moving some you know, arms and stuff and walking around. The fact is, 
two people hunched over, tied together, being poisoned by whatever they're in there, trying to walk backwards. I'm like, what the, what the fuck? Because we, we, we get introduced to the Krang, I suppose, you know, Absolutely. as he comes down. Now, uh, the uh, the people that operated that thing, they almost died at one point. They weren't even aware. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, uh, like, there's a sequence where it's kind of exploding. Yeah, later, yeah. And the sparks flying, electricity going. And uh, apparently the people had to rush in there and cut them out because the whole back side of the set was on fire. No one was hurt. No one was even slightly hurt. They managed to put out the fire and save everything and yeah, yeah. finish the movie. But yeah, it's just one of those... <laughs> oh, it's an amazing design again. Yeah. You know? and Stan Winston, his own pen and paper designs brought to life, sculpted, molded, created. I love the fact as well. I mean, this is a year before the first Turtle series would come out. Yes, come out. So yeah. I, I've never seen it. I, I don't know if it's in the original comic book series, but this is kind of the first time I'd see the Krang. So, like, he's using psychic powers to control these little kind of antennae things that are going coming out the back of people's necks. Yeah. You know, and then their their whole plan, as it starts to be revealed, because David gets chased away uh, by the teacher out of the spaceship. He rushes back to Karen Black, tries to take her back to the tunnels. She won't go. And, and Karen Black's kind of selling it as well as the teacher that, She's in trouble. You know, she believes David and she believes that something weird is going on with the town, but she can't put her finger on it herself. And if if David's lying, she's going to lose her job and she's going to get into a lot of trouble. But they, they kind of get chased back to the school, don't they? And then... Well, she, she decides that's going to be a good place for them to hide because yeah. she's tried the phone. She tried calling the police. You know, David almost got abducted again because he didn't go on point. the field trip yeah. because <laughs> yeah. Nurse Ratchet's driving the school, the school bus, bus to the alien site. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> she's taking but a yeah, wall. We do find out, yeah, like they're not being taken over by aliens, but they are being brain controlled yeah, by them. Yeah, so the, yeah. Yeah. Well, when they get to the school, um, you know, they're being chased by these two police officers. And I love the fact that as they make their way down to the, into the basement, the, the police officers actually shine a light on the original Supreme Intelligent well, from the first Well, that's movie. because it's the, the same actor. Yeah, yeah, he actually brought that prop with him. Oh, wow. And turned up on set and went, here's the original. Let's put that in the background. Yeah. yeah and they shine their lights on it like, oh, it's a novelty. Yeah, they don't linger on it. So it is a little bit fan service-y yeah. for, the, for the original film. But... It doesn't linger on it too much, even though they're literally shining a light on it. <laughs> they move by pretty quickly. Now, it is a bit of a like a weird scenario when you've yeah. got... Because he, he tries to shush her and he puts his hand over her mouth and yeah. then kind of drops to her chin. I'm like, doesn't feel quite right. Like, this feels like this character should be much, much older. But then I'm like, this film is a PG movie kind of aimed at kids yeah. or yeah. older kids. But... Yeah, just like the age difference was just it's just weird. Just because we've seen these similar scenes so much, yeah, yeah, that it just looks a bit weird here. This whole set as well, because they're in this basement and they're hiding out from the cops. And then the cops come down, spot them, shine their torches on them. Karen Black starts screaming, which after about a couple of minutes, I'm like, oh my god, change the tone because you're literally just hitting one tone every time. You're gonna break my windows. And as they pull out their guns, they're like, trust us, we're the police. And I'm like, oh shit, they're either going to capture them or kidnap them, you know, and kill them on set. And then you just watch this weird alien drill just kind of punch its way up through the floor. The floor kind of opens up. Karen Black starts screaming even more so than she was just five minutes ago. And the two of them have to race out of the basement as the cops are just knocked back. And I'm like... 
Did the aliens know to go there? I mean, what is the whole idea of just drilling a massive hole up through the basement of the school? Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like it didn't really serve much purpose that we know. Yeah. Unless we did see at well, one point it... his dad come into his room and walk out with a big jar of copper coins. Yeah. So I'm like, the aliens are here for our change? Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, that comes under the uh, investigation as well because Karen Black and, and David head off to the army base, which is just nearby. We've been hearing through the movie there's one nearby with a General Wilson on, on, on well, the, apparently the base. he visited the school earlier yeah. that day, so that's how he knows. Oh, let's, let's go get the colonel. He'll, the colonel. He'll help us fight the aliens. And, and they get there and, and the general's played by James Karen, you know, legendary fucking return to living dead James Karen. Yeah. He's rocking it with those cigars. Oh, hell yeah. Like, he's just in charge of these movies. And and David goes to explain everything to the general. And they'd already seen two kind of maintenance workers get lured up to the hill by, by David's dad. Watch them go into the sand pit, which is very much a replica of what they did in the 1953 movie. And so as they're driving through the army base, David spots the two maintenance workers and they're stealing all the copper wire. Right, yeah. I'm like, okay, the movie doesn't fully explain what the aliens are after other than there's a spaceship that's going to be launched, much like the 1953 version, and the aliens don't want it to be launched. Right, and there's this giant liquid oxygen supply <laughs> tanker there <laughs> yeah. as well, which, like, two mind-controlled people end up driving it right towards the launch site. And I'm yeah. like, is it no other security down there? <laughs> like, it's just completely... Everybody's like, relaxed. Everybody... Well, they're right well, relaxed. They're taking over. one guard yeah. who haphazardly <laughs> shoots at the truck and then dives out of the way and then we see it on a computer monitor. Every, like, yeah, everybody's is... watching. You know, you've got the general, you've got uh, Sergeant Major Rinaldi, you got yeah. David, you got Karen Black, you got Bud Court fucking there. Yeah. And they just watch the rocket ship just explode and so the general's like super mad at this point. You know, he's like, get everybody together. We're going to go storm the aliens. We're going to well, go... Well, no, they end, up, they end up bringing in two of the people that were suspected. Yeah, yeah. Ends up checking their necks. And then just as he's got them at gunpoint and they're about to maybe explain something, they're like the, the plug gets pulled out and yeah. they both end up having fits and collapse and die. So it's like the, the, the people who are enslaved can still kind of have a bit of control. Like we'd seen it with David da David's dad. You know, he kind of been caring he didn't actually kill him in bed he just stole his pennies right you know this maintenance worker's like uh general i'm ah and <laughs> dies on the <laughs> yeah. floor so the general's just like right okay let's get together we're going to go to the school you know we're going to check out the tunnel there we're going to go up to the hill and we're going to see what we can go up there and you have bud court and his team go into the school tunnels to head down and like we hadn't really seen much threat from the aliens other than the the ship exploded right so when one of them pulls out a laser and blasts Bud Court, you're like, hey, that's our Bud Court. Right? I, know, well, I mean, he has the whole, I mean, he's wandering around with his prop from Star, Star Trek, Trek to the Wrath yeah. of Khan. Yeah. And uh, he ends up going up to the aliens. He's like, you understand me? Look, they understand me. We don't need to kill these aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to have some peaceful. And he gets incinerated. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then the Marines kick ass. Just kick They're ass. in their own machine guns and they kill these two aliens. And they go yeah. around the corner and there's two more. And they kill those <laughs> they aliens. Kill those and they come in pairs. <laughs> shoot to kill. Which is lucky. You know? <laughs> now apparently uh, Toby Hooper or somebody involved in the production f called somebody in the military, somebody in the Air Force and said, you know, we're doing this film. Here's the script. We could do with some military assistance, uh, suggestions extras props anything and they just went look we don't believe in aliens so we're not having any involvement in your movie <laughs> yeah but then somebody gave toby hooper it was like here's a number of somebody i know in the in the art in the marines yeah Give this number 
few days later or a few minutes later, got the phone call back just saying, yep, Marines are involved. We're sending over our entire battalion. They're bringing all of their own props, weapons and vehicles and light and wow, rigs. So nice. all the military vehicles that turn up, yeah, yeah. all turned up for free. When they set up the big light and rig outside, that's just the the, uh, the Marines just turning up with their gear going, let's this make this movie. Up. Because... Apparently, one of the lines was, if Martians were to turn up, the Marines would be there to kill them all. <laughs> yeah. so, and that line ends up in the movie. So worried, boy, we're not out of options yet. Marines have no qualms about killing Martians. I mean, James Caron is just absolutely brilliant in yeah. almost every role he plays. I mean, but considering this film has been so daft and so kind of like he, dreamlike, he owns it. He owns it. He, he owns absolutely it. works here. And I'm like, I want to see another movie with him as the military general. <laughs> I mean, when he's screaming at his, his, his Marines, I mean, that's a little bit long window because they, they've gone down to plant uh, explosives in the sand pit and obviously every time they go there the sand pit activates and tries to suck these guys down so he's like get out of there get out of there man get out of there activate the winch get out <laughs> and you see these guys being pulled up and then they blow a massive hole in there um, because prior to that as well David had decided that if the aliens are going to be killed he needs to save his parents so he goes and gets himself and Karen Black purposely captured and um, so the, the general's going down there to obviously try and rescue everybody. And it, it comes to the sequence, like Gary had said at the beginning, where we're watching uh, Sergeant Major Rinaldi, who'd been captured as well. He, he gets the drill into the back of his neck. And we see Karen Black's unconscious, so she's going to get the, the next antenna put into her neck as well. But the supreme intelligence, you know, got Miss McElch's mind under control and she wants to destroy David Gardner. So they bring him up to obviously speak to the supreme intelligence. And it's it's nice. I mean, David's <laughs> not trying to be too egotistical about it. It's he's like just the like, end please. of a South Park episode where he's <laughs> just like, you're not going to get away with this. What you were doing is absolutely wrong. And the supreme intelligence is like, <laughs> And he nah. runs up and he punches it in the ear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But then the Marines turn up and they just start laying waste to everything. And yeah. obviously we see the sequence, don't we, where there's lots of explosions and grenades around the Supreme Intelligence. Yeah. And Mrs. McKelch is also smacked away by David at one <laughs> yeah. point. And she's yeah. like, I'm one, two, three, four, five. But she ends up getting knocked and she falls into the mouth of, of one, one of, of the, the drones. Creatures. Yeah. And then the, it kind of, I mean, the, the, uh, well, she's swallowed whole. We yeah. see her legs kicking for a moment. And the other <laughs> one's just laughing its ass off. Right. Like, they just don't care. They're all just drones for the Supreme intelligence i mean he I but suppose, they're the actual aliens though right yeah but, well i suppose he's got control of everything sure yeah like, like I was, he has I, like a brain a hive brain yeah. yeah but he he gets shot up and i'm not entirely sure if he gets killed or not but he does get whisked back yeah his slug like thing goes back you know hides back in and then like once the military have set the bombs it comes back out again it's like well they've all gone now <laughs> well i guess we'll resume operations i don't know i think actually we'll just try and take off yeah we've got enough copper let's go <laughs> yeah let's just go and so everyone's just trying to escape out of the tunnels now before the ship can obviously fly off or explode or whatever but david still keeps remembering that his parents are yeah around he somewhere, loves his parents so yeah he ends up hanging back not leaving even though i think at one point he's told 15 seconds <laughs> yeah, and it takes which like... take about two minutes of yeah. film time yeah. uh but yeah his parents are calling back to him and he comes back and he's like no actually you're you've been enslaved and so i'm gonna run <laughs> yeah i'm gonna and run they're gonna chase after me as well and then the parents chase after him and then they catch up to him and they grab him but the ship takes off and then explodes and then their devices leave their bodies and they're back to and normal back again. Back to normal. 
and you're just like, wow, it's it's all over, everything's great. Oh wait, no, it was all a dream. What? No, the That's... twist. Well, shit movie then. Well, <laughs> it plays in it plays in heart to the original one because the original yeah. one finished on the same thing. David wakes up, he runs into his his parents' bedroom, he tells them they sit over a hot cocoa. You know, oh David, what a crazy story! Yeah, your teacher's an alien. There's no UFO out there. Hey, mum, do that coneheads voice thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so scared. There is nothing to be afraid of, David Gardner. Mom. Tomorrow we will take a picnic up at the hill. <laughs> then mum and dad go off to bed and as David's settling down, the alien ship comes down. <gasps> what, it that was very day? Premonition? <laughs> I guess. Thing? It's final destination from Mars? Yeah, final destination <laughs> from Mars. And David is so scared he runs back to his parents' bedroom just like he did at the start of the movie. But, oh my God, we hear noises and he looks absolutely terrified. So we think think his parents get eaten you can hear the same sound that were used for the aliens earlier it's, so but i'm like but they just landed haven't yeah, they, they, they what <laughs> are they back <laughs> is this the first time they've been what what so was it all a dream still all a dream does it actually see? matter yeah <laughs> <laughs> ian what were your favorite scenes oh man i had such a sweet sweet time re-watching this movie again i mean i I suppose a lot of the sequences where it kind of just plays in heart to the original movie, you know, like you said, the little path that leads up to the top of the hill mum and dad take, you know, at night, there's, there's the part where dad says to mum, I'll take you up to the hill tonight after you've done the dishes. And then it cuts to David's clock and it's like half past 12 at night. And I'm like, how long did it take you to do those fucking dishes? Because then they take their walk and David's like, mum! <laughs> uh, the teacher eating the frog. You'll never forget that. The look in her eyes as she's trying to swallow it. Like I said, I was sat there for the review and I'm like, is it like a covering over her neck? Is it a fake head or something? No, it's her. She's eating a frog. I mean, the teacher's scenes herself. David Gardner, one, two, three, four, five. Absolutely steals it. I, I, I do like, I suppose, the big fat aliens kind of walking around fighting the military. The fact there's only two at a time because they only had two suits. It's a bit weak as well, but there's that shot, I suppose, where David's running down and you see two and then it cuts to something and then there's another two and then it cuts It's so good. Bud Court and his team. Bud Court being vaporised by a laser. Love Bud Court, so Bud Court. And, I mean, every now and again, I do love the fact that it's a dream. What? A dream <laughs> within a dream. I love Inception too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's some, some quite memorable moments in the film. Uh, I think the first most... The most memorable moment in the film is watching Oscar-winning actress Louise Fletcher swallow a frog hole yeah. Yeah. and then wipe her chin afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very memorable shot in the film. Uh, but uh, nothing can take away from uh, from the, the designs of the ship. Uh, David, the first time he goes around exploring it, uh, just all of the, the weird designs and platforms, it's completely alien. Yeah. And, uh, and I quite like that. And of course... When the Marines do turn up and they're going through <laughs> and one of them's touching the walls going, what is it? Some kind of secreted resin. <laughs> yeah. but nobody touched nothing. And that's all I could hear in my mind. I was like, as, as Aliens is being shot, you know, <laughs> the exact, exact yeah. same time somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I think the set's great and the makeup uh, design on the on the drones, the walking meatballs with teeth. <laughs> I, I really like it. So very memorable designs. Bud Court getting vaporized. Bud Court. We love Bud Court. Bud so Court. yeah, even though he's only in the movie for like two minutes, 
It's great. It's Bug Corp. Yeah. There's a moment right after when the, the Marines have just blasted two aliens and they're just walking around. And then he just blasts the alien <laughs> a little bit more. I'm like, double tap. Double tap. Yeah. <laughs> Marines have no qualms killing Martians. It's like, it's, it's not necessarily a great line, but the way it's delivered James. makes it a memorable line. Yeah, James Cameron. <laughs> One last favourite scene in the film, and that is Dale Die. His little cameo role. I think it's one of his earliest as a, like a military consultant yeah. on set. And he's the guy who fires the big rocket thing. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. Oh, so, great Mr. little cameo Platoon. there. Yeah, exactly. He's a war. He's a... Oh. <laughs> Ian, do you recommend the film? I do. I think this movie is just so sweet to watch. Maybe like a late Friday night or an early you know, Saturday morning. Like, it, it works well if you're going to watch it with the Fly remake or the Thing remake or the Blob remake, you know, just, it's just one of those 80s remakes that you just, you watch and you have such a fun time. You could even go back and watch the 1953 original and you just, you know, you're, re, you're replaying it in your head. Maybe you like the 80s version, maybe you like the black and white version. Toby Hooper, like, he was kicking ass at this time, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, Life Force, fucking... They should have just kept giving him more and more scripts. Like, go, just keep keep making more movies. So, yeah, highly recommended. Yeah. So, I was just uh, a little shocked because I consider this, like, such a kid's movie. And you would come, say, watch it with the thing. And I'm like, no. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I do also recommend Invaders from Mars. This is a fun PG horror film that serves as a gateway horror film for older kids. The entire alien invasion is told from the perspective of a child who warns the authorities and joins the Marines in killing the Martians yeah. and blowing up the ship while rescuing his parents. The acting, though, is so-so. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's okay, but it's it's very off in parts. And uh, Hunter Carson, he did an okay job in the lead role, while the great James Caron stole all of his scenes <laughs> with a cigar-chomping Marine that's happy to kill any invading aliens. The special effects were top quality for the time. From the rubber suits to the interior of the alien ships, it's very memorable. If not, as we said, overshadowed by Alien and Aliens. The monster suits are original, fun, and only really ever, ever so slightly scary. But they're very impressive looking. It's always great to see the works of Stan Winston and John Dijkstra, and I think their work shines here. The music was a bit of a letdown, honestly. Legendary horror composer Christopher Young's score is rather repetitive at times. It lacks the flair. But it helps deliver the kind of comical or humorous scenes pretty well. Otherwise, it was a little bit disappointing, which is understandable considering the studio rejected his original experimental score, which was thrown out. So he had to hastily put together the score that is in the film. And it's a little disappointing. This film may not have found its audience at release, but it now sits comfortably as a cult classic that's more and worth a watch. They came from above and attacked from below. Thanks for watching Off the Shelf Reviews. Everything's fine now.